Hey everyone, welcome to the bonus episode of You Don't Have to Yell. I am recording this Monday, June 8th, uh, after a weekend of protests across the country and some questionable police action against uh, peaceful protesters. So uh, I thought as a way to address the current unrest and a way to address the current issue of systemic racism that's again made it to the forefront of our newsfeed. Uh, I'd share a story from my past um, and some ways that I changed and some ways that I really began to acknowledge how deep this issue was. And for those of you who've listened to the podcast, you know that uh, I was in stand-up comedy for a while. So in 2001, I started what would be a fairly unremarkable career in the field. And the majority of that was spent in my hometown of Boston. And I made a friend there I'll refer to as D for reasons that'll be made clear later in the story. Now, one of my favorite jokes of hers went like this. People say you should follow your dreams. Last night I had a dream Huey Lewis was my uncle, and I'm not entirely sure how to follow that. She actually delivered it a lot better, and we all laughed. And if you don't know who Huey Lewis is, you can pause this, go ahead and Google it, and with any luck, there will still be an internet when you get back. Now, D was black and gay, and again, relevant for reasons that'll be made clear later, and had another joke about being pulled over in Texas for being a Hispanic man. And we all had a laugh at that one, too. And that last part might sound insensitive, but it's kind of the way things are in stand-up. You know, um, Camille Nanjiani best described the environment as broken people holding each other together. Uh, and we were all generally misfits and our inability to fit into regular polite society went over really well on stage and being scathingly open about pain and insecurity was really the norm and the deeper, the better. Now, Dee moved back to her home in the Bay Area of California and got married. And like most friends you make through stand-up, if you're not seeing them in the clubs, you really only keep in touch with them through social media. And at some point, Dee got involved with the Black Lives Matter movement pretty early on in the movement's inception. And you know her posts began to focus mainly on the movement and issues of prejudice. And it was well before the scorched earth social media of the Trump era would turn Facebook into an uninhabitable war zone of memes and clickbait headlines, but well after people had learned to have interminable political arguments on it. And if I'm being honest, I didn't really see a huge difference between the anger in some of her posts and other political posts folks would share, but I, I'd still read them here and there. And one day she posted an article that really struck a nerve in me. And it was about a black woman who had strained a relationship with her white aunt after saying something to the effect of white people in the North are worse because at least white people in the South know they're racist. Now, again, being 100% honest here, I really identified with the white aunt in this story. So I went and posted what at the time 
seemed like a thoughtfully worded reply to D explaining how calling someone racist probably wasn't the best way to get them to change their behavior. Now, D was less than receptive in her response, and I decided I probably didn't state my position correctly, and I wrote what I thought was a carefully worded clarification. Now, D was starting to get pissed, and I'm not sure at what point in the exchange it was, but D's spouse, who was a Black Lives Matter activist as well, jumped into the conversation. And before I go on with the rest of the story, I should explain something about being born and raised in Boston, especially being Boston Irish. Because if I had to think of a motto that best describes it, I'd be stuck between they think they're better than us and I bet you think you're something special. And it's a region with a perpetual Napoleon complex and a culture that lives to remind you that we're all swimming in the same toilet. So you might imagine that when confronted with the prospect of stating my case or not being thought of publicly as the asshole, I opted for the former. And as you also might imagine, Dee and her spouse spent the rest of the exchange bitch slapping me and I kept coming up for more like one of those inflatable punching bags. And the conversation ended amicably and awkwardly and I walked away from it really feeling terrible. Um, You know, Dee's identity had never come into play in our relationship and I felt as if I'd been talking to her over a wall the whole time. And after a lot of thought, I came to a realization. I was the only one out of the two of us who had the luxury of not thinking about her identity. I didn't have to navigate the world thinking about how I'd be perceived from my race, my gender, or my sexual orientation. And she did. And the conversation prompted me to start learning more about issues of race and bias in society. And I began to view the world in terms of my own race for the first time and became really aware of the daily discomforts people of color have to deal with just going about their lives. And I started understanding where I'd fallen short of being part of the solution. And for me, it was totally depressing. Now, for people of color, it was a matter of daily existence, like wearing a mask to the supermarket. And Dee passed away in October of 2018, and I had always meant to message her and apologize, but she had also been battling cancer, and it seemed really awkward to send her a Facebook message over an interaction that to me was meaningful, but to her was probably just another white dude being a white dude. So for what it's worth... I'm sorry. Now, two years later and many years after the inception of the Black Lives Matter movement, things are arguably more terrible. And I have friends in law enforcement who have publicly decried the killing of George Floyd and are justifiably frustrated they have to go out into the streets and clean up the mess of those who stain the badge. Now, My friends of color have been a bit more subdued, having had too many conversations on race where they gave up explaining their viewpoint after being outnumbered by defensive white people such as myself. And 
if there's a bright spot in all this, it's that we seem to have entered a space where we can support good cops and measures that protect people of color from bad cops at the same time. And there are multitudes of well-intentioned white people wanting to help. And many of these people have appeared in the past and only fade out with the spotlight and go back to living their normal lives. And while it does feel different this time, I also think it's important not to let that lull us into a false sense of security where we can return to normal thinking someone else is going to take care of it. And you know, police reform alone will not solve the problem. You know, Ahmaud Arbery wasn't killed by a bad cop. Christian Cooper was harassed by a woman in yoga pants with a cocker spaniel. And these are very ugly examples of bias against people of color that exist in varying degrees in all of us. And we can't expect the members of our police force to be any better than the society we pull them from. Now, I don't know if you all remember the first episode of Black History Month in February was with Professor Nikki Brown at the University of Kentucky. And she taught me that racism is like a virus and outbreaks occur when the conditions are right. And I think our current pandemic is probably the best parallel as for most of us our racism is asymptomatic. You know, we don't march with tiki torches in support of Confederate monuments. We don't use racial slurs. We might even have a diverse set of friends, but we're also probably guilty of doing the millions of thoughtless things that to us seem small and insignificant, but result in death by a thousand cuts to our friends of color. And we say dumb things we're privately embarrassed of that society says it would be impolite to call us out on. And as with the current pandemic, most instances are harmful, but they're not lethal. But when these biases are combined with a tense situation and the authorization to use deadly force, we have events like the murder of George Floyd. And it's not good enough for us to wait for someone with a gun to end an innocent person's life by making the wrong assumptions or to publicly shame someone on social media who uses the police as a cudgel against somebody they find irritating. And it's also not enough to wait for people of color to tell you what to do because they've tried and the experience has been less than rewarding. You know, we need to be comfortable being called out on our own expressions of bias, just as we have to do the hard work of calling other people out on theirs. And we need to talk openly about where we've fallen short. You know, we need to teach our children now as opposed to waiting until it's time to let them carry a gun. And so I've made a few promises to myself and I'd really encourage all white people interested in solving the problem to do the same. And the first one is that I'm going to be open to feedback on areas where I've expressed bias and regardless of the tone, wording, or presence of profanities, I'm going to accept said feedback without pushback, reflect on it, and try and do better. Number two is I'm going to talk with other white people about racism and let them know when they've expressed bias in their thoughts and actions. Even older people who grew up in a different time and people expressing bias light, such as quoting statistics as evidence for why change isn't needed. The last one is I'm going to keep reflecting on where I fall short and I'm going to keep learning. Now, again, as with our current pandemic, we can't prevent the deaths of those most at risk unless those least at risk play a part. We have centuries 
of cultural wiring to undo. But it's not like we're trying to make Huey Lewis our uncle. I don't know if I delivered that last part right. D did it so much better. I'm sorry, folks. Talk to you later this week.